Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition, a delicious range of sumptuously smooth dark chocolate. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. On today's podcast, why is it that we can talk about feminism in the workplace and dating after hashtag MeToo, but we can't seem to defeat women's own patriarchal conditioning? When it comes to our sex lives, few of us are free of niggling fears and body image insecurities. Flo Perry is a young writer and illustrator who has managed to make a career out of her passion for drawing breasts and a penchant for quizzing people on their sex lives at parties. In her book, How to Have Feminist Sex, she explores everything from faking it to consent, from stress to kink, and how losing your virginity isn't so different to eating your first chocolate croissant. I spoke to Flo about the book and about her mission to get more people talking openly about what they do and don't want from everyday romantic encounters. Flo Perry, you've written a book called How to Have Feminist Sex, subtitled A Fairly Graphic Guide. Can you tell me why you wanted to write this book? Yes, um, I wanted to write this book because um, I felt like... uh, Feminism is very cool these days. There's a lot of conversation in the media about it. And I felt like um, there wasn't... like All the conversation around sex and feminism is about how sex is a source of trauma for a lot of women in their lives. And there wasn't the balanced side of that conversation that sex can also be a source of joy and a fun thing for women to do in their lives. Yeah, and especially lately with all the talk of consent and Me Too and all these things, there is this kind of... Sort of fear going on, and obviously as well talking about porn, which is something. I'm a mother of two young girls, and there's a there's a lot of fear when I think about my children. And your book has actually really helped me allay some of that. And I think so. I just want to say thank you to that for 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 that. First of all, can we talk about something like body image, which is what you start off at? And I think it's really empowering the way you encourage young women to look at their bodies. Yeah, sure. What's your take on that in terms of bodies are all shapes and sizes, but you have a piece in the book where uh, we're given the template of one type of body, which is slim white lady. (laughs) But that's obviously not the reality. Yeah, I think um, like for me, I think the first step to loving your body is just accepting it as it is. And you don't have to be on this constant lifelong journey to improve your body and you don't have to see future you as slimmer you and think, oh my God, I'll finally be happy and I'll finally be able to wear this and I'll finally be able to do that and feel that when I'm this slimmer version of myself in the future. I think that, that it holds us back and it's better just to accept yourself as you are now and maybe realize that you won't ever change and this will be the body that you have forever. Um, or even you'll only get slightly fatter from now onwards. <laughs> and that's okay. And like, you you won't necessarily be happier if you get thinner and the body that you have now is great. And I think um, social media obviously has a lot to answer for 
in this regard in terms especially young women I mean you're much younger than me but you're sort of people of your generation looking at other people and thinking oh I'm supposed to be like that and you have a good tip you know if you're worried about your double chin or your tummy or whatever go and look at people who on Instagram who also have double chins or a bit of a tummy and like their photos and sort of celebrate that rather than you know try to run away from yourself yeah for every like skinny girl on Instagram that makes you feel terrible there'll also be like a beautiful sexy fat girl on Instagram that can make you feel amazing who's you know further along on the body positive journey than you might be and it's really great to look at those photos and kind of fill your brain up with more than the skinny white lady beauty ideal that are shoved down our throats so often. Mm. Now, as someone who still has pubic hair and has never done anything with her pubic hair, that's me, I'm really fascinated by the the part of your book about it because, you know, there is this thing that it seems like you have to shave all your pubic hair off now. Tell us about that and where that came from and, and what what a healthier attitude is towards it. Yeah, um, it's really, it does make me really sad that some women feel like their pubes are disgusting or like their partners expect them to shave most or all of them off. I think it, it does come from porn because it is hard to find pubic hair in porn unless you, you type in the 1970s category, <laughs> which is great. I really recommend them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I, no one knows quite why the fashion suddenly swung for completely bald, bald vulvas. But yeah, it's, it's it's expensive, it's painful. And I think that it's one of those things that you should analyse and think, are you doing this because you genuinely want to do it? Are you doing it for you? Or are you doing it because you feel like you have to? And maybe you'll analyse that and decide that, no, actually, you really like having a bald vagina and that's what you genuinely want to do. And if so, good for you. But a lot of women, I think me included, maybe think, actually, I, I'm just doing this because I feel self-conscious and... Yeah, I don't need to. And actually, pubes are great. <laughs> but are people also worried that um, their male partners won't find them attractive or won't want to have sex with them because they have hair on their vulva area? Yeah, probably. And there's this myth going around that um, like it's harder to give oral sex if you if you have pubes, which, you know, as someone who is a, a member of the lesbian community, um, I, <laughs> who, they love oral sex. <laughs> The Irish Times Women's Podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition. Sumptuously smooth, dark chocolate. The drawings in this book are beautiful. The other thing about it is it's a very easy read because it's sort of cartoony. And, you know, it's, it's, it is like a, is that, is that right to say a comic book, a cartoon book? Yeah, definitely. Um, and you also very handily, you have so, uh, some bits of interactive, uh, pages where you can actually doodle some, um, bushes or some pubic hair on some of the women so you can get creative with it. Yeah. I, I basically, like, there's some big ideas in this book and like, it's, it's not really for children. Like I, you know, mature 12 year olds could probably handle it upwards. But, you know, it's, I think it's, I wanted to make it fun and add those kind of things and make it funny because, yeah, there's some big scary ideas in here and I want it to be as accessible and as fun and as easy to read as possible, basically. Well, I think it's like for anyone who has any uh, young women in their lives, whether they're parents or they're, 
nieces or just young friends. I mean, I think it's really, really useful because it sort of demystifies a lot of things. You know, you talk about everything from female ejaculation, which is something you don't hear a lot about, to one night stands, to monogamy and sort of the myth of monogamy in, in a way. Uh, maybe perhaps it isn't the most um, successful mode <laughs> of, of being. Uh, and is that what you wanted? Are you trying to help young women feel to sort of redress the balance? Because we hear a lot about porn and that's where young people are learning about sex now, which is really worrying um, both for men and women. Were you trying to do a sort of an antidote to that? Yeah, I basically want to just offer a different viewpoint kind of that's very like sex positive and offers lots of different ideas and shows women that they have more choices than is presented to them either in porn or by our quite conservative sex education that we get in schools and that you have choice and you can you can choose what your sex life looks like that's the message I wanted to put across I mean you talk about the different messages that young women get so it's everything from sort of parents saying you know if you have sex you're gonna get pregnant you'll have all the STDs or you know sex is gonna hurt the first time or pubic hair is dirty or you know you shouldn't be wearing that so it's it's trying to counter all those uh, shoulds and shouldn'ts that, that young women get told throughout their lives. Yeah I think we get bombarded by that kind of thing and it's it's just nice to take a step back and be like actually think what do I want to do and it, it like for me personally it took me years to realize what I want to do and I think that the journey of exploring and experimenting and getting there is also great but I think that yeah, well, young women aren't encouraged enough to think what do I want my sex life to look like what do I want to do and I think that's really important. And you describe yourself at the beginning of the book as, a, as an emotionally uh, well-adjusted slag. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? I quite, it's a great description. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it means that uh, I've been around the block a couple of times and I've had a great time doing it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I kind of want to bust the myth that uh, any woman who might be promiscuous, I, can, I hate that word, but yeah, uh, traditionally promiscuous is somehow emotionally suffering and yeah. trouble, which I think is just a really damaging, horrible myth. I mean, I've been promiscuous in my life and also, um, yeah, I've got great mental health and I um, feel great about it. Because I think, I don't know what it's like as much in England, but in Ireland, sex education wasn't the best and it certainly didn't go into things like sexual joy and how it can be uh, such an enriching, important part of our lives. It was really just the other nuts and bolts kind of thing and, and don't get pregnant. So do you feel it's changing in schools or from your experience talking to friends? Are people talking about that more? Um, and reclaiming the joy of sex a bit more? I really don't think so. <laughs> Not in schools. I mean, I, I went to an extremely liberal North London school and still I had a very just practical sex education that didn't cover anything like masturbation or, you know, should sex be fun? I think we did a little bit on like, your boyfriend should be nice to you. <laughs> but um, that's about as far as it went. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I think it's a very individual thing because we don't have a public curriculum covering these things. So I think it really depends on the teacher you get. And I think a lot of teachers, you know, aren't trained or prepared to talk about these kind of things or they don't want to. I mean, I think parents also have difficulty. I mean, it's, you know, being sex positive as a parent is something that people grapple with or are not really sure what to do. You had a good experience from yeah, that point I, of view. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Um, it's talking about sex with your parents is always weird and creepy, and <laughs> <laughs> in a way, you don't want them to be 
the main source of sex education in your life, which is, you know, why you, you, books like mine exist, and that's great. Um, but yeah, I think that just being in a household where there's lots of different media and viewpoints available so that people can make their own choices is just really important. Do you have any advice for people who feel a bit prudish about all this sort of stuff? Because I'm looking at your book thinking it's fantastic, but I'm still kind of going, oh, God, I mean, my, my kids are only 10. Obviously, I'm not going to give it to them now. But oh. even when they're teenagers later on, you know, that it would be embarrassing that I, you know, I don't want to get into these conversations with them. How would you recommend people kind of get over that stuff? I think you've got to remember that kids have access to the internet these days and mm. you know all the parental controls in the world they'll probably find a way to get on Pornhub and that is a, a thousand times more <laughs> graphic than anything in my book and um, I, yeah I think that it's important to offer an alternative narrative like that because I think we're not going to stop kids getting access to porn anytime soon so I think the best thing that we can do and is offer an alternative and show them that porn isn't the norm and that porn is like James Bond compared to real life. It's it's a fantasy and that real life is better, <laughs> um, but different. And yeah, and they shouldn't compare themselves to porn or aim to be like that. Do you think with books like yours, Flo, that things, um, well, things are pretty depressing in some ways, but will things get better? I mean, is there, you, you cite a lot of books um, and podcast at the back of your book that were that were an inspiration for you so there are more people kind of writing these sort of positive uh, books and essays about sex and young women at the moment yeah I'm not the only one and I think that's great I think the more conversation we have about this the better I think that everything can improve as if we get used to talking about sex and that if you talk about sex and that with each other and with your friends then suddenly that becomes easier with your partner and then you're having better communicated sex and everyone's getting more of what they want and less of what they don't want, which is the aim. It's also a very funny book. I have to say, there's one, you're talking about fantasies and there's one uh, picture of a threesome with Boris Johnson, Theresa May and a young woman in the middle, which, you know, I can't unsee now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what sort of feedback have you had from people? Yeah, I've had really great feedback. It's, it's really scary publishing a book. Yeah. <laughs> like putting your baby out into the world for public criticism. But so far, I haven't had any negative criticism. It is publication day today. So I'm sure one-star Amazon reviews will roll in at some point. Well, but yeah, I've had really great things. Like, all, you know, my friends and celebs and people are saying that I'm doing well. And it feels... It feels amazing. I'm, I'm curious <laughs> when you pitched it first, what, what were you expecting the reaction to be? Because like, it is quite an out there thing in a way. Yeah, I was really lucky um, that one publisher at Penguin was just like, yes, this is a great idea. And my editor totally got me and really tried to change very little in the book, apart from changing most times I said the F word to the word shag. <laughs> <laughs> but like, and she was really helpful and had lots of great suggestions, but she really believed in my original idea and how I wanted the book to look and sound. And I'm really grateful for that. And the illustrations are really, really great. Well done on them too. Uh, the writing's really sharp and funny as well. There's one um, chapter called Being a Slut Can Be Fun, which some people <laughs> just might not be able to get. Can you expand on that for us a bit and explain what you mean? Yeah, I think that, like, as I was saying before, I think there's this, like, there's this trope that sluts are troubled people that I just hate. And I think that for a lot of people, myself included, our sluttiest days are, like, was, you know, a, a time of great joy. 
Um, and I'm in a monogamous relationship now, but if I become slutty in the future for whatever reason, I think that that's also something to look forward to and a positive part of being single. And you can you can really grow and have fun and be emotionally secure and get positive things about your body through being slutty and it can boost your self-esteem yeah. and all of these things. It can be a great experience. It's like going on a little holidays. <laughs> <laughs> In that chapter, you say women have just as much potential as men to enjoy sex without emotional attachment. Not all sex has to be meaningful. You can have a one night stand you don't enjoy without it being the end of the world and you don't have to carry that regret around with you. And at the front of the book, Dolly Alderton, who a lot of our listeners will know, says, it's funny, generous, kind and smart. I could have done with the wit and wisdom from Flo Perry far sooner. I definitely felt that reading it, actually. You know, I wish there'd been someone when I was a teenager telling me these really positive messages. And I think it would have saved people a lot of heartache. And hopefully it will save future uh, young women a lot of heartache. Yeah, thank you so much. That is such a nice thing. <laughs> um, I really, I really hope it does. <laughs> yeah, and even some people in their older years who are still having sex. I think it's never too late uh, to learn about these things. There's great stuff about masturbation as well. You're a big fan. Oh yeah, I am a massive, massive fan of wanking. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, there's not much again written about that either. Certainly not in the way that you, in the sort of joyful way that you talk about it. Yeah, I definitely think that it's an important part of learning how to be good at sex <laughs> and learning how to tell other people how to be good at sex for you. And I think it's something that we should like, you know, that we should talk about in schools as an option. Because I think if women are masturbating before they have sex, then they're more likely to feel some kind of control over their own sexual desire and know what they want to aim for. And I think that that's really important. I'm just going to read a little bit of your masturbation bit. It says, if you've never had an orgasm before, set aside some uninterrupted time alone, at least 30 minutes, preferably an hour. Make sure you feel as safe and relaxed as possible. If you want to, you could just you could do something that turns you on. This can be anything from just imagining scenarios that you find erotic to watching porn to reading your fave sex scene or some homoerotic Harry Potter fan fiction, whatever <laughs> floats your boat. <laughs> Does that float your boat, Harry Potter? Uh, absolutely not. That, that is me trying to think about what other people might like. <laughs> I have never felt at all turned on thinking about anything Harry Potter related. Um, <laughs> that's my personal aesthetic choice. Absolutely. Day. Flo, this is your first book. Yeah, this is my first book. And so what's going to be your next one? Because you can't stop now. You have lots more to tell us, I feel. Oh my God, I don't know. I've been so bad at doing stuff lately. I'm just procrastinating by uh, <laughs> uh, doing podcasts and stuff like that. Um, what's my next book? I'd really like to do some fiction. I'd like to kind of show um, kind of sex positive stories um, and be funny in, in fiction. And, and I'd love to do a graphic novel. That, that would be my dream. And your mum and dad are quite well known and out there in the media, Grayson Perry, the artist, and Philippa, who I actually interviewed um, in the Boris Festival recently, who wrote a great book about parenting. I have to say, yep. it's, it's one of my Bibles now and I go to it a lot. What do they think of you? They must be very proud. 
Uh, yeah, I think they are. They're, they, they, yeah, I'm really close to my parents. Uh, yeah, I think they think I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they do. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have done a great thing. I would really encourage everyone to um, buy it for the young women in their lives, even if it feels a bit awkward, because it will certainly create some great conversations and bring up some really important topics, but also allow people to laugh at these things too, because a lot of this stuff is very funny, let's face it. Yeah, it is. I think it's important to laugh at sex. It's it's a place of joy in lots of different ways. Yeah. Well, Flo Perry, thank you very much for talking to us. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And that's it for today. Thanks very much to my guest, Flo Perry. And a reminder that her excellent book, How to Have Feminist Sex, is out now. Remember, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Acast and all good podcast apps. If you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast or email us on thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. The Women's Podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, and by Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Until next time, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.